Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Communication Mixed Down. The show that takes a critical look at contemporary media. And explores the way we use communication to make sense of the world around us. From social media to citizen journalism. To the logo on the front of your favourite T-shirt. It's all part of the Communication Mixdown. Each week, Thursday, 6 to 6.30. Communication Mixdown. Cranking up. Right here on 3CR. Let's start the show with a quote. You may know some of this already. The geeks among you may know a bit more. But few of us ever assemble the whole picture or pause to understand how ubiquitous commercial surveillance is changing society. Hello, welcome to another edition of Communication Mixdown. I'm John Langer. And I'm Bronwyn Cran. And that quote you just heard is from Stilgarian. He's a technology journalist and commentator who covers the politics of the internet with a special focus on security, privacy and cybercrime. And he's just written for and edited a special investigative series called Prying Eyes for Crikey, the online news and analysis publication. Stilgarian is our special guest this week on Communication Mixdown. We've gone on the phone and he's here to talk about what he describes as the vast global ecosystem of data collectors, data brokers and advertising platforms that make up the surveillance economy. Welcome, Stilgarian. Good evening, John and Brian. Thanks for being with us. And I wanted Wait, to yeah. I wanted to start with uh, something that you wrote about an account of someone you called Susan, because that was the way you introduced the Prying Eyes series. Tell us about Susan. Well, Susan, I, I just thought, who's a who's a typical person getting up? Let's just pick someone. They're getting up in the morning and going to work. But the words I started with were before she's even awake. Susan is under surveillance. Her sleep tracker recorded a restless night. It's the third in a row, and in a database somewhere, she's flagged as being stressed. And I thought, what does that mean? What it, it means is that that information is, is part of now really an ocean of data that's collected around us, and it's used to target primarily advertising very, very tightly. For example, if Susan is recorded as being a bit stressed you know maybe she's reading the news over breakfast and she looks at a news site the news site has ads in it within milliseconds it says ah this is that same person who was was sleeping restlessly maybe we'll show her an ad for a meditation app Mm. and when she puts that app on her phone she starts meditating regularly and her location is then recorded by the ad network that the app uses and that location is recorded somewhere else. And this leads then on to, to actually a real, a real thing that was done in Australia for the, the geolocation, the geo-targeting of advertising. Uh, let's imagine that Susan visits Toyota dealership because she's thinking about buying a car. Hmm. Now, this is the first thing she's done. She had 
10 minutes spare. She's just having a look at the cars. She hasn't told anyone. She's not searched online. But for the next week, she starts seeing ads for Hyundai. And also a bank starts offering her a personal loan with images of, car, of a car in it. Mm. This, is, this is the kind of cross-connection that's happening now. Uh, and then in the rest of this crikey series, we started exploring how some of that works and, and how some of these companies do business. Very interesting. And let's turn to something that uh, some people, and you wrote about this, some people consider this an urban myth and others swear it's actually happening. Facebook is listening into your conversation through mobile phone microphones. What's this all about? And can you describe a few examples? Yeah, this is, this is and I, I did call it an urban myth because it, it is, uh, as far as anyone can tell who's done uh, scientific testing, so they're not listening to you on, on, on your phone. Uh, but, but people have reported things like, wow, um, I was joking with a friend about how I could never grow a beard and maybe we should get beard transplants. And wow, not long after I saw an ad for a beard, beard transplant or uh, people were you know, talking about maybe having a holiday in Estonia and then not long afterwards uh, an ad comes up for holidays in Eastern Europe. Now, the thing is, there are several reasons why uh, someone like Facebook or Google would not be actually listing in and recording your conversations. For a start, that that would be very illegal. Uh. Uh, it's an illegal telephone intercept. Now, I know conspiracy theorists will say, well, it doesn't matter if it's illegal or not, these, these so-and-sos will mm. still do it. Um, not really. You do get you do go to jail for this sort of thing if you get caught. Mm. Uh, but there's so much data about you, and so many ways of advertising to you that when there is a coincidence, you notice it. What we don't see there uh, are the five thousand ads you saw that didn't relate to anything that you just spoke about. Right. Uh, and and even if you haven't done something like talk about it with our case for susan before the fact that she'd physically gone into a toyota dealership and and spent 10 minutes there mm. her location is, uh, is mm. available then to advertisers and what happened with hyundai in australia i just get my uh, notes back in front mm. of me this mm. is this is a fascinating story hyundai uh decided or or their research said that that people believe their cars are a bit boring a bit cheap and so their sales were suffering. And they thought, well, how can we do this? They thought, well, let's start targeting specifically people who are looking at the opposing brands. So using the geolocation that's available mm. uh, for targeting ads, they could say, look, who has been in, I don't know, the last week, let's say, has physically been to a Toyota dealership or a Mazda dealership or something like that? And you know that they've not just driven past but they've stopped to look because mm. they've been in that location for you know, 10 minutes, mm. 20 minutes mm. or whatever. What you can then do is just select your ad to go precisely at those people. Mm. Mm. And mm. Uh, they found that uh, normally the click-through rates on uh, online advertising is it's pretty low. I mean, you probably don't click on the ads very much. I know I don't. Mm. But if you are looking for a car and an offer comes up, you're more likely to click through. And uh, mm. Hyundai got quite good results out of that. 
This is really fascinating and uh, a, a little bit, not not just a little bit scary, pretty scary, actually. Uh, to, just to go back to the um, the Facebook example of listening in, mm. you, you did a, a follow-up, Prying Eyes, the series from Crikey, engaged a security consulting firm, Hack Labs, to run a few experiments uh, around this. What did they find out? The first thing they found out is that it's really hard to prove anything one way or the other for two reasons. One is that the communication between uh, your smartphone and the advertising networks and the location trackers and so on is is encrypted, so you can't actually intercept that. Now, that's probably a good thing mm. uh, from, the, from the point of view of your location only going to those places and not anyone who happens to be on your, your local network. The other difficulty was that they did their tests by you know, wiping phones, getting freshly blanked phones, creating fresh social media accounts, going through and liking things and so on. But uh, an account that's only been recently created and doesn't have in many friends and hasn't really shown much pattern of behaviour yet, mm. really is it a distinctive person you can aim at that? So the only ads they then saw were very generic things like mm. the popular video games or popular music artists or, or whatever. Um, so so that's good. Uh, but uh, really, that, the, then the interesting story is when uh, the guy in charge of the team uh, was at home one Saturday night. He's got a couple of teenage kids. They were playing um, uh, Fortnite, the computer game of the moment, uh, and... Uh, his brother-in-law came over with his kids one Saturday night and, and, and stayed for the evening and so on. Immediately after, the brother-in-law's going, what the, what the heck are you just done here? I'm seeing ads constantly for Fortnite. I'm being bombarded with them. Mm. And the only connection was that he just spent time in a physical location with someone else who did play Fortnite. Yes. Now, mm. if we look more widely... Uh, it, it's quite likely that the profile collected by the, the advertising brokers also knew that, hey, this guy, it was not just in a location with someone else who plays this. We know from perhaps it's Facebook that they're related, brother-in-laws. Mm. Uh, they might know from Facebook that they've got two kids of about the same age. Maybe they know for other reasons. Uh doesn't matter exactly how they got that information, that sounds like a good person to advertise to. Mm, and, mm. and in a way, where's the evil in that? You're actually showing someone an ad for something they might like to buy. But the difficulty then comes when, well, what else might it be targeted? Yes. And a Christian organisation in the United States, and I, I, I should say one of the very... Uh, right-wing Christian organisations, very much anti-abortion, uh, pro-life, etc. cetera, uh, they were using this location-based advertising to target people who are in the vicinity of an abortion clinic and then offering them like a live chat line to discuss adoption wow. options and other things. Wow. Now that's, yeah, yeah. The, the last thing mm. a woman needs when she's facing a difficult decision wow. in her life mm. is to be targeted mm. in that kind of way. Mm. Mm. Now, that organisation was called out for that and whatever particular local legal uh, environment it was in did say that was har harassment. But others have said, 
no, that's just offering communication and that's not harassment. So this is something that's happening now right. uh, in 2018, 2017. Yep. And it's, it's only going to get, shall we say, more fascinating. <laughs> good way, good way to put it, Stilgarian. Let, let's let, let's have a break. Give you a bit of a breath, and uh, we'll get back. We've got lots more questions. You've covered so much territory. We, we're we're probably need a couple of couple of hours to talk to you. But let's let's just hear this. Come along to the Ruby Hunter Foundation Benefit Concert at the Toad Hotel on Saturday the 4th of August at 8pm. Featuring a deadly lineup including The Bits, Dave Arden and the Cucamata Band, Carol Carpany, Will Coyote, Cluster Funk and The Seabirds. Alongside mystery band The Public Opinion 6. We provide culture for the future. Saturday 4th of August, Toad Hotel, 8pm, a Ruby Hunter Foundation Benefit Concert, a 3CR supporter. If you've just joined us, this is Communication Mixdown and our special guest this week is Stilgarian. He's a technology journalist and we're talking about cybersecurity, privacy and what's been called the surveillance economy. Stilgarian, in one of your Crikey articles for the Prying Eyes series, you ask a question, how do websites and apps make you buy or sign up for things that you didn't mean to? And you talk about something called dark patterns and you say that Facebook uh, and uh, Instagram, its, its, its child, is notorious for using dark patterns. Could you briefly, maybe in a simplified way, explain what they're about? Yeah, yeah, look, you uh, had it almost there in the question, Bronwyn, that, that the dark patterns, tricks, they're, they're ways of wording things or uh, displaying things to you to nudge you towards making the choice that uh, they want you to make as opposed to the choice uh, you want to make. Uh, I think the classic example was uh, was Tumblr, which people may know, the microblogging site, uh, in Europe recently, in May, a new privacy law came into force, the General Data Protection Regulation, the GDPR. And as part of that, people actually had to have a choice about where websites send their data. Now, Tumblr has relationships with more than 350 advertising and tracking and, and data analytics networks. That's 350. So for you to choose which one's you were going to let them uh, send data to, they presented you with a big long list of all 350, each with a little switch next to them. There was no switch to say all on or all off. There was no information about what any of these companies were. So, I mean, who is going to work down the list and click one by one? Do I choose that or not? Of course not. People want to get on with their day. And, and that, of course, means that very few people will opt out. Uh, Facebook has face recognition features to allow, uh, amongst other things, uh, for you to find your friends, photos of your friends and so on. Uh, but that the way that they were selling the facial recognition is, oh, well, if you turn on facial recognition, or rather I should say it is turned on, but if you turn it off, ah, oh, but then we won't know if someone else tries to use your photo to impersonate you. I'm like, that's not the only thing they're using it for. They're also <laughs> using it to 
to see who your friends are. Yeah, yeah like here, here is you uh, on your Facebook account and here is your face in a group of friends on a beach holiday somewhere and suddenly they've got that, that data point which says, well, you're all friends. So if five of those friends are interested in AFL, chances are the sixth friend is as well. So let's try and sell them a shirt or season tickets or whatever. It, it, these dark patterns are around and around. And, and if people search just using your favourite internet search engine for dark patterns, you'll find uh, a few blogs which will uh, show you some of the tricks. It's really very, fun but sinister. Very sneaky and tricksy. Mm. Yes, indeed. Um you also wrote an article about uh, on something called session replay scripts, which was also very uh, tricky. Is it tricksy? Um, could oh, you yes. explain what what these are and how worried we should be about what these scripts do in relation to our personal privacy? Session replay scripts are a tool used by people who build websites and run websites to analyse how they're working. So using some. Um, scripts embedded in the web page, it actually monitors you and tracks where you move your mouse or where you touch the screen, uh, how long you spend on each page and so on. But uh, it can work out what you're looking at because subconsciously, if we're, we're using a mouse at least, we tend to move the mouse to track our eyes. So you can sort of see which bits of the website you're looking at. Okay, that's okay so far. But to understand that better, some of these scripts actually record what is on your screen and then the analyst at the other end can later play it back exactly. And some of these are, are very, very bad at concealing personal data. Now, many of them could go, ah, that's a credit card number. We should block that out so the analyst can't see it. That's private. That looks like a, a phone number or something. But let's say you're filling out your income tax form online or uh, doing something else that might have personal data in. It means that if one of these scripts is being used to analyse the page, the analyst at the other end can, can literally replay it as if they were sitting looking over your shoulder and they can see exactly what you're looking at. And uh, mm. some of these tools were found by researchers to have security holes in them as well so that... They weren't, it wasn't even necessarily just the analyst who could look at some of this stuff. Um, it's it's, it's freaky. It's not really been looked at. It is, it is very freaky. And, uh, you know, you can build up profiles of people using, I mean, all sorts of pieces of information. Uh, and to give you an, an idea of, of how finely uh, advert advertising can be targeted, one of... Uh, the suggestions I make to people, and uh, if they've got a Facebook account or a Twitter account, log in not as a user, but go to see where you can buy ads on it. Because anyone can decide to you know, sell ads or, or rather pay for ads on these platforms. So just sign up. Don't, don't spend any money. Just have a, a look around at how you can target ads. And in the US, where this is more fine-grained than Australia at this stage, a lot, a lot of this stuff is cross-matched with... Uh, uh, loyalty schemes like flybys and so on, which are used to match an ID to your shopping list and all that sort of thing. So our marketers tend to create uh, archetypes or demographics. They call them things like um, uh, retired dads or fit moms is my favourite, the American spelling of the word. So you go, okay, there's a, a mother 
she's got kids, she's concerned about her fitness. So we're starting to get a mental image. Like if you see a TV ad aimed at a fit mom, you know you know what that ad's going to look like, mm-hmm. right? And let's say you want to target them, but you you've target fit moms who've got kids under the age of 10, but they've got Fruit Loops on their shopping list. Uh, and you know excellent. that... that that fit mom would rather her kids have a healthier breakfast. So you know you're going to get good value if you target an ad at that mm. woman explaining that for just the price there is, you know, special offer. Try this breakfast cereal. Your kids will love it. And we're only a few years short of being able to match that with the, the location tracking within the store so that you could pop up messages on someone's phone at the time they're walking down the breakfast cereal aisle. Or uh, if they normally, in their shopping list, uh, buy chocolate, let's say go down the, the list, the, the, the aisle that day, we're looking at supermarkets, having the scan happen as you put things in the trolley, not as you scan at the end of the checkout process. Let's say you pause in the, in the, in the confectionery aisle and then move on without putting chocolate in your shopping cart, you could be sent a message telling you, just you, just you personally, and just you for the next five minutes, 30% off all Cadbury's products. Oh, cheeky. <laughs> Unbelievable. And I was two or three oh. years ago at a, oh, a marketing analytics conference talking to a guy about this stuff, and he said, the technology already exists to do that. The question is who pays for that discount. Is it the supermarket or is it Cadbury's <laughs> who has to pay for it? And that's that's the only thing holding this back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that's that's hilarious. Look, we're, we're just about out of time still, Gary, and if we could sort of put the focus back on Australia. Um, one of your articles talked about big tech being under fire in Europe. You mentioned the the general data protection regis- regulation, regulation. That came into force earlier this year in, in Europe. Um and there have been huge fines meted out to companies like Google and Facebook was fined in the UK for its role in um, the Cambridge Analytical Analytica scam, uh, scandal in the US election. So where do you think Australia sits in, in all of this in terms of privacy regulation? Australian privacy laws are now really lagging behind uh, those uh, in places like Europe. Uh, the GDPR, which has only been enforced like two months and a day, um, has changed the landscape. It now means that the regulations that the Silicon Valley companies have to really focus on to behave themselves are Europe's, not the United States. Now, <laughs> Australia's privacy rules are a little bit better than the US, but not a whole lot better. It's interesting that California has just passed a law very similar to the European one. Now, it doesn't come into force for a couple of years. They've given uh, big companies plenty of time to adapt their systems, as Europe did. They gave everyone two years warning uh, Mm. that this is going to happen. Uh, But California is where many of the companies are based. It's certainly where their their spiritual home is in Silicon (laughs) Valley. Um, And it's going to depend a lot in Australia on really who the next privacy commissioner is because uh, Tim Pilgrim, who was privacy commissioner, resigned or retired, rather, at the beginning of this year. His replacement has not yet been named. So organised is our current government. Uh, But also, there's really not much of an appetite in the government for giving much of a stuff about people's privacy, if I may put it mildly. Uh, In fact, uh, the, the government has shown really a 
an inability to focus on privacy, and I, I, I must mention that the current uh, My Health Record debacle in that context, that's not a thing for us here today, but it's a story worth watching. Mm. Uh, and they have cut back funding for the Office of the Information Commissioner, uh, which is where the Privacy uh, Commissioner sits. Um, I'm not hopeful that things will change, but I do get the feeling that, that now in 2018, after the the, the huge scandals with Facebook and Facebook's still under such constant investigation. Uh, I noticed that they announced today, uh, within the last 24 hours, uh, that they didn't expect to be as profitable later in the year and their share price dropped 25% in an instant. Um, so, you know, I do get the feeling we're at a watershed moment, but, but whether Australia will be a leader in that, I don't think so. We're, we're certainly way behind the pace uh, compared to Europe now, and there is not much uh, political appetite for, for catching up. Well, that's a slightly scary scenario, considering how many Australians are worried about their privacy online. I think that you mentioned an Ipsos poll that shows, or one of your writers in your series that shows about half of Australians are very concerned about their privacy online. So I guess we have to watch this space. It's certainly exactly yeah. the well, Stilgarian, thank, thank you very much for, for being with us today on Communication Mixdown. It's been a fascinating insight. My pleasure. And we were talking with Stilgarian. He's a technology journalist and commentator who covers the politics of the internet. And he's been involved in a special investigative series called Prying Eyes that's just come out in Crikey, the online news and analysis publication. And we'll be putting the links to all the material discussed today on the 3CR Communication Mixdown website, along with the podcast of the show. That's it for us this week. We're Communication Mixdown here again next Thursday.